You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 3, covering The Man Trap and Charlie X. All right. Hello. Welcome. Hi there. How's it going? This week we are reviewing The Man Trap. The Man Trap and... Charlie X. Yes. Do you remember what the original title for Charlie X was supposed to be? I was trying to remember last night. No. Was there an original title? There was an original name for it. It was actually kind of cool. I've I've gone back and forth between us trying to make uh, somewhat original observations and actually doing our homework and reading, like, interesting behind-the-scenes stuff, and I haven't quite decided yet, so... Yeah, we can do both. Yeah, what the hell. Now we want both. <laughs> well, if you want to uh, start out telling us, uh, giving us your book report on the man trap, Matt. Ah, yes, the man trap. Okay. So we just opened the man trap with the Enterprise arriving at the magical planet of M113 to perform much to perform much needed forced medical examinations and deliver <laughs> vital salt. So we're uh, we're like um, we're like gray aliens, really. We're forced medical yeah, experience. Yeah, just show up, kick the door open. We're, we must we're probe you. <laughs> Very um, nice. Uh, only two occupants of the planet is a Doctor Robert Crater and his wife Nancy, who uh, new ships Doctor Leonard McCoy used to bone. Insert fanfare here. Mm-hmm. Also, that, also, that's a terrible pun used to bone, really. You can, uh, you can do better than that. The worst part is I picked up on that as I was saying it. Like, oh, <laughs> oh I, can't, I can't take that back. Damn it. Uh, it's out there now. <laughs> <laughs> no editing can save me. Nope. No editing will save you. because <laughs> That's just how we roll. <laughs> anyway, so Bones is all. Bones looks at her and is all like, "Oh, wow, she's exactly the way she was back when back when we used to date ten years ago." Whereas Kirk looks at her and can only describe her as handsome. And we all know what that means. Oh. Angela Lansbury is a handsome woman. <laughs> also, Ensign Ricky is there. Oh, right, not he, not uh, not Ensign. What was it, Jimmy? That we decided last week. <laughs> no, Ensign Jimmy's dead. It's Ensign Ricky now. Right, which I, which we should note, uh, Ensign Ricky had a blue shirt. Yeah, yes, he did. I mean, he's a red shirt, but he's wearing a blue shirt. The red shirt does not necessarily describe the color of his shirt. Just as no, role. it just it, it just describes your lifespan. Yeah, this is this is your job. You are the red shirt on this mission. Mm-hmm. And good luck. Yeah. So, how does that work out for Ensign Ricky? Uh, well, he sees Nancy as this beautiful '60s-looking chick, and sneaks off to have sex with her. Awesome. And then he dies. Uh, so they take the body back up to the Enterprise to figure out why he dies, and they discover that he looks perfectly fine, except for the splotches on him and the fact that he has been completely drained of salt. Salt. Yes. So some kind of new space venereal disease that drains you of your salt. Yes. Fine. Meanwhile, Crater is berating Kirk for kicking the door open to medically examine them, and also wants to know where his salt tablets are, hmm. which is a little strange. Nah, nothing, nothing at all suspicious about that. No, I love the crater goes. You can't just come down here and bu- and bully us, Captain Kirk. And well, clearly having no clearly having no idea what Kirk's job is. <laughs> his job is to come down there and bully them. 
Yes, exactly. That's in the charter for a Starfleet captain. <laughs> this prime directive means nothing. Prime directive. It's our job it's like to go down and tell people what to do. It's like Directive 48, maybe. Yeah. There's so many more directives more prime than that one. <laughs> so. So meanwhile, two more two more crew members die <laughs> yeah, of being geeks. This assaulted. Uh, this whole sequence just was bizarre to me because they keep going back down with more guys, then they die, then they beam down with more guys, then they die. Oh well, the solution maybe is to bring more uh, disposable crewmen. Let's let's just keep throwing them at the planet. Starfleet's motto: just throw some more guys at it. <laughs> we'll figure Other it out eventually. Look, uh, Bones. You know, Bones is a scientist. Really, I mean, he's a, he's a doctor, but he's also a scientist, and he can't establish a pattern until he has twenty dead bodies. <laughs> One or two could just be a keep, coincidence. He needs a bunch. Just keep finding more dead bodies full of uh, drained of salt, Jim. Well, throw some more people at it. We'll see if they get drained of salt, too. Let's uh, let's get those salt tablets there after. That must be uh, a strange coincidence, that's all. <laughs> I'm responsible for over 400 people on this ship, and I won't rest until they're all drained of salt. <laughs> Except me and my friends. <laughs> Anyway, so they find one of the dead crew pe- crew members. They don't find the other one because Crater's wife changes into him and beams back up to the ship. So Creature comes back to the ship disguised as a crew person and starts draining more people of salt. Going around changing shapes into whatever pleases Ch- yeah. people. Of course, Turns Uhura into bones. Sees, yeah, and of course Uhura sees a sexy black man because, you know, there are no interracial relationships in the, yeah. in the future. This is how we de- <laughs> this is how we deal with the one with the one black person on the crew. We invent a new black person right. with half a shirt. <laughs> Had like this bizarre V-neck thing that goes down to his to his navel. Well, I'm I'm willing to grant the show like they had to every week come up with some new, you know, some kind of new alien usually some kind of new costume that looked futuristic. Uh, sometimes they succeeded and things look cool. Sometimes not so much. I'm, I, yeah. I usually give them a pass there cause they had to design a lot of costumes on the fly. So that is true. And that one, yeah, you're right. was kind of a failure anyway. So Kirk and Spock and the rest of the crew start interrogating crater who reveals that, uh, in actual fact, Nancy's been dead for like five years. Uh, she was killed by this thing that can turn into anything. And, eat salt. So what happened here is that this monster killed his wife, turned into his wife, and he had no problem with that whatsoever. Oh, hey, look, I still got a Nancy Crater. Everything's great. Well, this worked out fine for me. Sorry, Nancy. <laughs> and he doesn't seem all that bothered by the fact that it's rampaging around killing, you know, slowly killing off all 430 Enterprise oh, crewmen. Well, maybe if you'd given me the salt tablets I requested. <laughs> look, I told you not to down, beam down here and interfere, okay? And so the the question rises, like, you know, we've got this thing that could look like anything on the ship. Who could it possibly be? And then Bones starts defending it. <laughs> well, we we don't know what this creature's motives are. What could it possibly be doing? Kirk and Spock easily deduce that it is Bones. Go to his quarters, where real Bones is unconscious, having apparently been erotic to death. Yeah, I'm not really clear what happened there. I think there were some roofies involved. Yeah, it's just like... Nancy, sort of like, oh, Leonard, and he's shut fine up with and that. He's sleep. like, oh, my my hot ex girlfriend is uh, soothing. Ah, uh, uh, this is working out fine for me. Yep. 
Night, everybody. <laughs> She's kind of like Gary Mitchell again, where it's like, here's a character we've never met before, and here is the uh, long-established question mark, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, person that that this person knows. I don't know Bones yet, so why do I care about his ex-girlfriend? Yeah, exactly. If if this had happened in, like, season two, it would have been like, ooh, Bones has uh, got, got an ex-girlfriend, huh? I mean, at this point, we don't even actually know that Bones is a character, you know? Yeah, like, for, we've had a different doctor for the last three weeks, so it's Maybe that's what Star Trek does. Yeah. We just get a new doctor every week. It's kind of like I'm watching uh, Next Gen, and the whole first season, there's a new chief engineer every week until they figured out, wait, that's where Geordi goes. But, you know, maybe maybe they just don't know, uh, they, they don't like permanent doctors, I don't know. <clears throat> Salt Vampire kills, kills Crater, tries to kill Bones. Turns into its real self, which is actually pretty badass looking. Yeah, it was. That was that was not a bad looking creature at all. And then Bones killed it, <laughs> and everything was fine. Yep, forever, except for those like five dead guys. Yeah, who who cares about them? Yeah, exactly. Um, real, real real Starfleet officers have salt in them. Damn it! <laughs> the, I was a little disappointed by this one. I mean, it was okay, and it had its moments, and and uh, it feels like Bones was immediately like fell into step, and and he had good chemistry with, mm-hmm. with everyone already, which was great. Yeah, but it felt like okay. We had this great thing about uh, psychic powers the week before, and the the pilot that people hadn't actually seen yet, but. Uh, but had still existed before that was about this planet of illusions. And now we get salt monster. Yeah. It just, it feels like a step down from those more brainy sort of sci-fi concepts. I was a little disappointed in that. Yeah. Uh, Sort of a more, more generic, just like, ah, it's a monster on the ship. Oh no. Bug-eyed monster can look like anyone. Eh, Well, you know, never done this one before. There was uh, a couple of things kind of jumped out at me though. Mm. Um, well, for one thing, the uh, the mission that they diverted themselves from to, to go to this planet um, was bringing a case of chili peppers to someone called Jose. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm, that's mm, mm. showing that uh, Kirk and company really hadn't uh, hadn't become the heroes of the Federation that they would eventually become. Well, not, not just that, but it's like, oh, well, his name is Jose. Therefore, he must want chili peppers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, it was, it was just like, uh, they, they really tried hard to be what we now call politically correct. I don't even think the phrase existed then, but uh, it, sometimes they were better at the whole diversity thing than others. Sometimes it's just like a uh, black woman is attracted to black man. Uh, a Hispanic captain wants chili peppers. Like, uh, can, bro, maybe make the brush a little less broad, guys. Yeah. But, I mean, they tried, and that's, you know. But and something along these lines that we discussed uh, previously is their their treatment of women, and mm-hmm. we'll get to this more in our next episode. But uh, oh yes, like the next episode that we're we're talking about here, Charlie X. Um, but uh, yeah, we we've definitely reached uh, a new sort of low as far as just Ugh. yeah, the, the the attitude toward women is no longer as equals. They're they're mostly yeomen and and things like that, and the short skirts. Yeah, and. The, and on the one hand, as Matt says, there's a lot of hot 60s-looking girls. But on the other hand, they should be more capable hot 60s-looking girls. Yeah. I mean, we've really only got the three. We've got Yeoman Rand, we've got Nurse Chapel, and we've got uh, Uhura. And I don't think we have so, Nurse Chapel yet, actually. No, that's true, actually. So actually, we have I don't think we have Uhura yet. She no, no, what, no. Uhura was in, in the Charlie X. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Man Trap. Oh, right, right, right. No, she wasn't in Man Trap. I don't... No, no, she was. She did that awkward flirting with with Spock. Oh, you're right. That's true. That's that's kind of where the the next couple of episodes she's kind of flirty with Spock, which uh, which I, I guess is where they got that from for the uh, for the movie, which was cool because mm. I Mr. knew I'd remembered it. Mister Spock, why don't you tell me I'm pretty? 
thought it would be inappropriate. Barking up the wrong tree, Lieutenant. <laughs> but there's this bit where uh, Rand and Uhura are uh, wandering around on the lower decks, and these dudes are just, like, catcalling at them. Oh, yeah. And just, just like, are they on the rape deck? I mean, it's, it's just, <laughs> stop it. This is not the way you treat people. <sighs> and Rand is, like, the only safe place she can go is hanging out with Sulu in the... Uh, in in the, the his botanical gardens. Well, I'm trying really hard not to say the Botany Bay, but the, <laughs> I can't help it. The Botany Bay. Oh no. Oh. No. <laughs> and and I'm you know it's it's easy to make the um, Takei is gay, so Sulu is gay joke. But really, when when the the pretty lady who gets hit on by women or by dudes um, takes solace with this one guy, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty obvious. Well, you know, she's safe with him because he's not uh, leering at her. I don't know what it is, Mr. Sulu. I just feel so safe around you. Uh, yes. Well, um... Why don't we go on a date sometime? No, we shouldn't. L- listen, Ensign Ricky and I were supposed to be doing <laughs> planned things later. <laughs> um, let's oh, and how creepy was the plant hand puppet? I didn't care for that, actually. It was a little too obvious it had, like, five appendages. If it had, like, yeah. three or something, like... I liked the look of it. It was just too much shaped like a hand. Mm-hmm. But but I mean I like I like that they were using sort of a, a low budget you know like simple practical effect I, I appreciate that I just I thought they could have maybe done it a little better but I have uh, to feed I have to feed the ravenous plant head thing of Rigel twelve have I used Rigel twelve yet Where's my Rolodex Let's see here Rigel <laughs> one two three ah six yes <laughs> and um. I was pleased to see that Sulu wasn't just hanging out there, or he was just hanging out there. I was mm. worried, okay, well, last week he was like the astrophysicist. This week is going to be the botanist, but no, that's just mm. his hobby. So that's, that's yeah. okay. Um, one thing I remember from the uh, Futurama Star Trek episode was um, where they're talking about the way Star Trek describes complicated science things in simple metaphors, like like a <laughs> balloon and something bad happens. <laughs> uh, Dr. Crater, definitely. Uh, loved his balloon and something bad happens metaphors. He had like seven or eight of them. Mm-hmm. No, this is like the Earth Chameleon. This is like the you know and like something bad Earth happens. Chameleon. <laughs> uh, and the the only other thing that really kind of I thought was a bit of a misstep was um, they weren't getting the answers that they wanted, so they decided to use truth serum. Yeah, really? Like this is this is our advanced mor- morality Starfleet. They're they're resorting to the uh, you know horrible interrogation tactics. Listen, man, there was a Cold War on. You did whatever you had to do. But there wasn't a Cold War going on with the, this dude and his monster wife. If they'd use it was the very, it was a Klingons. very small Cold War. <laughs> very well. So, yeah, overall, I thought it was kind of uh, kind of dumb compared mm-hmm. to the others. But, no, I mean, not bad. The monster it was a good great. episode. It just wasn't yeah. a great episode. No, it wasn't as good as, as the ones that came before it or the one that we're about to talk about. Yes, but, the one that came immediately after it. Right. Um, but, but, you know, it had its moments. And the, 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 one of the other things was there was surprisingly little action, I thought. Um, Spock was attacked off screen. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, there's, there's a lot of talking heads here. Do you don't want to cut away to some action for a minute? Nope. You got this great looking monster. Yep. Nope. <laughs> Spock was attacked off screen. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, any, any other thoughts? We'll do our, we'll do our picks for our yeah, okay. uh, thing <clears throat> at the end, but any, any other um, thoughts on the episode? I think that's it. All right. So moving on, uh, the next episode we looked at was uh, Charlie X. Um, the Enterprise meets up with another ship. Uh, I don't remember the name of the ship because I didn't write it down because I'm 
professional. The Virgil, <laughs> Virgil something. Uh, something. R. Yeah. More uh, science vessel. The Enterprise meets up with another ship to pick up uh, Charlie, em- Charlie Evans, a marooned human who was mysteriously raised on an otherwise lifeless colony. Uh, the crew of the other ship are quick to drop off the kid and run away, and we slowly discover why. Charlie's awkward, he doesn't understand basic social niceties, and he really doesn't understand this earth feeling you call lust. Oh, God. (laughs) The crew debate who should explain these things to him, and Kirk eventually takes on the responsibility after Charlie slaps Yeoman Rand on the ass. (laughs) This is just my quick summary. We'll we'll go into detail in a sec here. Uh, Gradually, Charlie becomes more and more difficult to deal with, though Kirk's authority seems to get through to him. He threatens the ship and crew and is eventually confronted by the green glowing head that raised him. The head forces him to go back, which is a little sad, but then again, it's kind of not. So this one I really liked. This was a great episode. And um it really surprised me how well formed the characters were and how mm-hmm. funny it was. We're we're really only into the third episode, the technically the third episode of the series. Yeah. And the Bones uh Spock Kirk thing is already kinda in place and there's some there's some real comedic moments that you you feel like really only would have worked better if they'd had a better feel for their characters, but it you know, it's pretty solid. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, Shatner, especially, I'm, you will not hear me say this often over the course of this podcast, but uh, Shatner's acting was actually quite impressive. He carried yeah, some he, of the com- comedy scenes really well. Yeah, he did, and he did this like I really dug the way he, you know, he sort of like I don't want to talk to this kid no, at he's, all. He's really uncomfortable around the kid, and uh, at one point, there's this whole, there's this great scene on the bridge where uh, Spock, Kirk, and Bones are all debating uh, who should explain to the kid why it's bad to slap Yeoman Rand on the ass. Mm-hmm. And they all just sell it really well. And Kirk just does not want to be the one. First of all, I don't think he knows why it's wrong. <laughs> uh, but secondly, I, 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 just, I don't understand. I that that's how I greet Yeoman Rand. I did it. I've done it eight times this week. Yeah, I did Kirk three times. This, I did it three times this morning. <laughs> and we conveniently lost those grievance forms when we stopped at the starbase. <laughs> those are those things that Kirk saw was signing. <laughs> I'm reporting you to Starfleet Command. Again, fine. Ugh. So, yeah. Um, but, I mean, overall, it was it was funny. The kid that got to play Charlie was really particularly creepy. Like, yeah. the way he should have been. Like, like, he felt like, you know, a really awkward sort of 17-year-old yeah, and, kid. He got pissed off. And, and, and the whole thing is he's got these mental powers, and he's been raised not around humans. Yeah. So here you have the raging libido of a 17-year-old, the social ineptitude of someone who's never met humans before, and then mental powers. Mm-hmm. So that's that's quite a mix. Like, one of the things that just kept happening is you would have him walk walk on stage, look really pleased to be there, and then just everything would sort of fall apart, and he would leave sad. Yeah, something something would really discourage him, and then he'd either, like, at first he would walk off looking really sad. Eventually, he'd just get really pissed off and start using his powers to, uh, at first he did, uh, what was the first thing he did? He, like, melted the the chess set with Spock. Chess pieces. Yeah, Spock beat him at, Spock beat him at, uh, at favorite Enterprise Sport 3D chess. (laughs) And but I mean, gradually he's starting to just vanish people off into non-existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is that like and I, what's that? <laughs> he sent like three people to the cornfield? Yeah, Matt and I independently observed that he sent them to the cornfield. So I'm sure everyone, I'm sure that joke's been made a million times before. But uh, hey, that's what. Uh, where else would they go? Mm-hmm. Then this stuff starts to get really creepy. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Yeah. He turns some chick into an iguana. No, 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 no. He turns some chick into a plastic toy of an iguana. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even notice that. That's one of those things, uh, watching the HD versions, uh, 
really illustrates. Oh, uh, that that is not moving. That is just <laughs> a, a toy, a toy lizard. <laughs> uh, but but there were some there were some good. Uh, like he turns one chick really old. Yeah, and there was actually kind of a nice little switcheroo where uh, you see the young, pretty hot sixties looking chick, as we say, uh, mm-hmm. walking down the corridor, and then he does his thing, like his you know the genie from my dream of genie head you know, blink thing. Mm. And then suddenly there's an old woman in her place. And just the way the angle worked and the way the transition worked, it really looked like it was the same chick, but they had just cast an older actress instead. Yeah. But it worked really well. I, I, was, I was enjoying that. Um, one thing we really haven't pointed out is there's this great scene uh, where the, where the crew are uh, relaxing, eating, I guess in this enterprise's version of 10 forward mm-hmm. or the mess or whatever they call it, where, where they have the, the rec room. Yeah. No, no, no. They're eating. The rec room is where oh. Kirk's working out. This is Ooh. this is where everyone's eating. Um, and Uhura starts uh, singing along with Spock playing his Vulcan harp, mm. which it's really cute. And she's kind of uh, improvising these lyrics about Spock, and it's really funny. And I just feel like it was great. And then it just went on and on, and it didn't stop. Yeah, that that was a really long scene, and you know it was really not a funny bad, at first though. But she's not a bad singer, but you know it's not what I'm here for. No, and it's kind of like um, you know, in Whose Line when you watch someone improvise a funny song just off the top of their head. It was yeah, that's the feeling it was supposed to be. Like she's making up these funny lyrics just off the top of her head, and and it is funny. It just it goes on and on and on. So Lieutenant Nohura was the Wayne Brady of of the future. You know, I was going to make that reference, and then I worried it would be racist because I I just I never quite know where that line is, and so uh, I wasn't going to say that. But thanks for jumping on that. <laughs> but then she starts. I was uh, more referring to their. I was more referring to their improv skills, but thank you. <laughs> and then she starts taunting Yeoman Rand via song, which was great. <laughs> and. Uh, I just that just I mean that was a, that was a fun little scene. It, like I say, it went on too long, but uh, mm. you get more of that. Like Uhura's got a thing for Spock thing, and also you had like that sort of like there was a lot more of that crew camaraderie thing that I really liked. Like you saw a bunch like a bunch of people just hang out in the in the uh, in the canteen or whatever. Yeah, they're off duty and they're having a meal together and they're enjoying each other, playing cards, they're mm-hmm. singing songs, or you know, kind of like um, in Next Gen where they'd have the poker game or you know. Like in DS9, where they'd be hanging out on the holodeck, like yeah, you know, like it's it's cool to see. It it, it gives you a sense that these characters aren't just there to to do their yeah. jobs; they're people, mm-hmm. which is which is nice. Um, but yeah, overall that that was that was pretty fun. But uh, of course, Charlie has to come in and ruin that too. Well, he's a ruiner. Yeah, he totally is. Um, That's a lot, Ruiner. <laughs> I do like at one point, like he's kind of stalking Rand and he gets creepier yeah. and creepier about it. Like first he slaps her ass and comes back to her quarters, just lets himself in. Gets and she's wearing this weird pink toga thing. Yeah, the weird pink toga thing that reveals substantially less than her uniform, incidentally. Exactly. Like not a not a, an inch of cleavage, no uh, no leg. Uh, but somehow that's what she hangs out in, like in her quarters. Well, I mean, look if i if my if my uniform consisted of having my ass hang out all day, then when I got back to my quarters, I'd want to wear a tent too. <laughs> well, uh, if we ever wanted cover art, I, I don't want Matt wearing a uniform <laughs> where his ass hangs out. Just, just oh so you man, <laughs> we're gonna get so much of that now. Awesome. Um, but yeah, his stalking of her is particularly creepy. He's yeah. At one point, he says, "You smell like a girl." Ugh. Anytime someone making unwanted advances talking talks about someone's smell, <clears throat> that's just uh, yeah. Uh, and and then, like I say, he gets more gradually um, 
frustrated with the crew. Uh, I do like he starts making Spock recite poetry. Yeah, that was great. And uh, Nimoy really sold that, too, that yeah, sort of yeah. going from just talking to like this sort of. Yeah. Yes, sir. I tiger, tiger burning bright. <laughs> that was really great. And he, uh, Charlie breaks his legs at one point. Yep. It's just, just awful. I love and Spock's reaction to that. I can't, Jim. My legs are broken. Yeah, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to bring it up earlier, but uh, yeah, like legs not working. Standing is going to be a little difficult for a while. I do like the the way they finally defeat him. Is um, he's got he's controlling the ship with his mind, and they decide uh, the the best way to to control him or to to overpower him uh, would be to overtax his abilities by turning on everything on the ship simultaneously. And I just imagine them running around, turning on all the lights, switching on all the water faucets, the fans. <laughs> More and more. We haven't we haven't distracted him enough yet. Turn on all the TVs up really loud. <laughs> Scotty, turn the engine on. I'll give it all she's got. <laughs> but that's that en- that ends up uh, slowing him down enough for his uh, the glowing green head of his his uh, guardian to show up. Mm-hmm. And we get the first appearance of what I like to call the Melvar climax, <laughs> which is uh, this meddlesome alien is actually a child, and uh, here are his super powerful parents to to take him away. Mm-hmm. And we'll see this many times, but I but I do got to give the the floating green head credit. Uh, he seemed remarkably sensible. Oh yeah, it wasn't one of those you primitive Earth people don't understand our ways. He's like uh, this kid's not like he's just going to keep causing trouble. I better take him back. You guys mm-hmm. really don't need this this trouble. I mean, it was nice to see an alien having their best interests at heart instead of being a dick. I was really pleased to see Kirk try to fight for him a little bit, though. I felt really bad for Charlie for most of this movie, for most of this episode. Yeah, and I was really impressed with with Kirk's like the the way his character was handled, the way yeah. he, on like he's the only thing that that Charlie responded to, and yeah, he could have sent him to the cornfield or melted his face or whatever, but some it really it came down to not some technical, you know, some scientific thing, some sci-fi jargle to to get out of it. It came down to Kirk's command ability. Mm-hmm. His, his ability to be an authority figure and to really take charge of this kid and say, you know, knock it off. Mm-hmm. And it was nice for the salute, you know, one of the main solutions to be character driven like that. Kirk's got to do what he's best at. Well, second best at to, uh, <laughs> to, to get this kid to stop. And and that was a nice, you know, it's a nice way to, to write his abilities into the story. Yeah. And much better than like, you know, flushing out the airlock or yeah, something. Exactly. Um, and, and we get to the end of the episode, and the, the credits come up, and it says, written by DC Fontana. I was like, oh, that's why. Yeah. That she was awesome. one of the She was one of the, real, one of the best Trek writers. Yeah, and we'll see that uh, again and again coming, mm. coming up through the series here. But um, she was and, – and sh- her personal story is great. I mean, she's one of those uh, female writers who was scared to reveal that she was a woman, in, in, you know, because no one would read her stuff. That's yeah, if you've ever like, seen the uh, the DS9 episode, oh god, what's it called? Uh, it's the one where they they're in the fifties and, and yeah, yeah, he's a sci-fi. Uh, Kira's, Kira's character is based on her. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's, her actual name is Dorothy Fontana, but she mm-hmm. went by DC because she didn't think anyone would buy her books and stuff. So, yeah, because uh, I mean, women can't write science fiction. Yeah, there's no room in our world of science fiction for women. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, she puts together a solid Star Trek episode, and she'll do it again and again. Mm-hmm. And this is the first. Uh, First instance of many. So yeah, overall, I was I was really impressed. This was this felt a lot smarter and a lot better character wise, and I was really impressed that there wasn't a ton of action. It was mm-hmm. mostly talking heads and character stuff. Oh yeah, no bug eyed monsters and no you know there, no the real monster is man. <laughs> Turns out it's man. 
Yes. <laughs> so any other uh, any other thoughts um, on this one? My my uh, one thing I noticed since we started watching these again, a lot of the early Trek episodes were really horror influenced. Like we have this one, which is like you know oh, yeah. that ep- that episode of uh, God, what Twilight. the hell was that episode called of the Twilight Zone? Of the wishing him into the cornfield. I mean, we yeah, made yeah, the, the, reference the, and... the 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 kid. Yeah, that, that was also in the Twilight Zone movie, I believe, where mm-hmm. or some variation of that, where <laughs> the kid like makes his sister's mouth go away. Yeah, and all that. A little bit of that happened in this too. Yep. There, and and I, I think that's why. I think that's why the horror influence is there because the Twilight Zone was a huge show at this point. Yeah. 1960s America was big on irony. <laughs> big on you know like the next thing that happens we could all be dead. I mean it's you know definitely well, a yeah. war mentality there. To, and we fear what we don't understand and all that. And that's why we need to use truth serum, Al. <laughs> well, they never tried to use truth serum on him. They just tried to lock him up. Mm. <laughs> so, but yeah, overall, you're you're right. There's definitely more of a creepier aspect to it, which I yeah. like. So. I mean, at one point, like Charlie disappears this chick's face, and it is so unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a cheap effect, but it's effective. Like it's yeah, it, she looks like the question. She's got no yes. facial features. It's just smooth, and it's like yeah. Yep. Um, and, and most of that stuff, I don't think they can enhance that kind of effect in the HD and it still looked good. Like apart mm-hmm. from the, apart from the plastic lizard, uh, yeah. everything else looked great. I can, when I watched the remastered versions, I could just sit for an hour and watch the Enterprise orbiting a planet, just going around in a circle. It just, they're so pretty. So what you really need is the remastered version of the motion picture. <laughs> nice. So any, any other thoughts on this one? Um, I think that's it. There was a point. Oh, uh, the workout scene. Oh, Jesus. How do we skip that? We can't not talk about that. There's uh, when Kirk tries to take Charlie under his wing and trying to trying to teach him the right way what? and the wrong way to be. He's like, blow off some steam here. Let's let's fight in the gym. Well, son, I can't tell you about women, but uh, I can tell you about incredibly tight spandex pants. Oh, God. Yeah, there's they need cod pieces or something because. Uh, oh, my God. Ladies, if you, if you if you like young Shatner, and look, I can see how how young Shatner was attractive. What yeah. he's become, not so much. But circa nineteen sixty seven Shatner, sure. Uh, if if you really want to see his junk flapping around, this is the scene for you. Because yeah, oh, you're uh, you're in luck. Yeah, they, they, it's just a skin tight gym outfit with no no cup or anything. No, cup. nope. <laughs> and he tore his shirt so hard that it just came off. Yep, that was uh, that was sure interesting. <laughs> mm. Uh, all right. Any any other thoughts on this one? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. So now we'll we'll do our usual um, quote of the episode. There's an old Vulcan proverb. Uh, Matt, you got a you got one for your episode for the man trap. So, uh, man trap quote of the week is: You could learn something from Mister Spock, Doctor. Stop thinking with your glands. Oh, I missed that one. Which I just thought was hilarious. I didn't catch that at all. That's a, that's a good. I mean, sometimes I'll stop. Like I'll, I'm making notes. We both do this where we're making notes yeah. through the episode, so we have stuff to talk about. And I sometimes miss stuff like that. That's a, that's a good catch. Uh, for me and Charlie X, God, I, I kept going through the episode and I kept thinking of, uh, you know, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. Because there were so many great little character moments. It was really hard for me to pick one. And I think what I finally decided on, uh, I'll, I'll put the quote here. Captain, I'm supposed to ask you something. Why shouldn't I? I don't know how to explain it. Well, say it right now, Charlie. That usually works. Well, in the corridor, I saw when Janice, when Yeoman Rand was, well, I did that to her. She didn't like it. She said you'd explain it to me. Me? 
I see. Well, um, uh, there are things you can do with a lady, uh, Charlie, that you... Uh, well, there's no, no right way to hit a woman. I mean, man to man is, is one thing. But uh, man and woman, uh, it's... Uh, is, uh, well, it's uh, another thing. Do you understand? I don't know. And it's just, it's not really a, a printed on a t-shirt moment, but it's, it's just, a, it's a great... It's Shatner really selling the comedy. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and I think I think one of the great episode, uh, the th- one of the great things about that is just Kirk spends all this time trying to tell Charlie what not to do with the women, and it just comes off as hollow because it's Kirk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. In the future, poverty, disease, war—they'll all be gone within the next fifty years. In the future, in the future. technology will not have approved upon the tongue depressor one bit. <laughs> Yeah, that we really still, surprised me. He, ah, he's got the wooden, you know. Yep, we still have bones with a popsicle stick sticking it in some in crater's mouth. <laughs> uh, and uh, for Charlie X, uh, in, the future, uh, in the future, 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 clothes change as you enter different rooms. Oh God! Kurt's yeah. wearing his his weird green uh, off-duty uniform, and he comes up to the bridge, and suddenly he's wearing his gold command uniform, and it happens another time too. It's just like. You know, I we we promised we would not be you know super nitpicky continuity nerds, and and I don't feel like we are, but you can't just let that go by. Yeah, you have to at least mention it. Where the hell were you, continuity guy? Yeah, what? there there must have been some. I mean, they I'm sure they had continuity guys at that point. Not continuity like canon, <laughs> but continuity. But like, I mean, like there's a guy on TV shows whose job it is is to make sure that kind of thing doesn't happen. Yeah, simple uh, consistency between scenes. A right. simple actor's trick. <laughs> One final thing: uh, we actually have a little bit of mail this week, so let's uh, let's dump in. Let's let's dump into that. <laughs> Since before your sun burned hot in space, and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. Okay, our first letter, first letter we've ever gotten, comes from um, an old friend of ours, a longtime writer to our other show, Sarcastic Voyage, Kevin Lynch, aka Flonk. And Flonk writes, Dear Alan Matt, Romulan Ale or Rectagino? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, on our other show, Flonk loves to send us the question, Coke or Pepsi? He sent it to us nigh on 20 times. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't listen to that show, he's trying to be funny here. Mm-hmm. We'll leave it up to you as to whether he succeeded or not. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go Rectagino because I love my coffee. I love some strong coffee and Klingon coffee. You know, is like 50 energy drinks plus being punched in the face by a beta zoid. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was trying to go for that ra- uh, uh, hit in the face with a gold brick with a lemon wrapped around it, and I just my brain wasn't working fast. But enough. a beta uh, a beta Z, huh? <laughs> well, you know, because they're uh, they're they're sexy and naked and and uh, they have mental powers. All right. Uh, what about you? Um, I guess I gotta go to the rack, you know, just because I don't. I have a rule against drinking anything green. It's blue, though. Romulan ale? Yes, Romulan ale is blue. Are you sure? I am one hundred percent sure. I would. Oh well, stake, Romulan ale then. I guess I would stake your life on it. No, I've actually had you know, quote unquote, Romulan ale. Uh, the the uh, Quarks Bar in Vegas, which sadly doesn't exist anymore, actually served a, a blue drink called Romulan ale, and uh, huh, yeah. 
So there you go. Uh, the other letter we have comes from my old friend Mark Bosco, a.k.a. Bob. And he writes, uh, if, like Matt asked, we were to pit uh, one against the other, uh, he's talking about our, our second episode, uh, he'd say that the cage had sexier female characters uh, versus where no man has gone before. Uh, sure, the Kirk-based series had skimpier uniforms. It wasn't until I watched them in, on Blu-ray that I realized just how often Ahura's color-coded panties were featured. <laughs> Color-coordinated, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, but smart woman characters like Majel Barrett's number one would have been infinitely more alluring. Your comparison of her being the female Spock Considering some females' reaction to the same is rather apt. Well, that's that wasn't really my comparison. That was they took what they wanted to do with uh, number one and wrote Spock that way. I've read that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'd love to say that I I made some great insightful observation, but no, that was Roddenberry actually did that. <laughs> but you're absolutely right, um, mm-hmm. and we've said that before. Like we we would much rather see sexy looking, capable females instead of just you know, here's shorter skirts. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt, any anything else to add? Any um, thoughts? No, I think that's it. All right, uh, we've we seem to have hit the length that we were we were going for here, which is good. All right, still trying to get this format tweaked, so bear with us. But uh, overall, this is this is a lot of fun. Feel free to write to us, uh, check us mm-hmm. out on iTunes, and uh, we'll be back next week. See ya. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is published weekly and is available via iTunes or on the web at postatomichorror.com. This program is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, and all original material contained herein is their intellectual property unless otherwise noted. All clips and references from Star Trek and related media are used without permission from CBS, Viacom, and or Paramount Pictures. Fair use is assumed for the purposes of review and parody, and the aforementioned co-producers do not receive any form of profit for this effort. Listener feedback can be sent to podcast at postatomichorror.com. An on-air response is guaranteed.